This is On the Block with Stricken Nate. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. And Hokie Homer turned Husker, Nathan Brennan. Everyone knows that I'm the smartest person here. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Nate. Only three days remain. If you're in your car right now, let it soak in. <laughs> let it happen. Jay Foreman knows what's going on here. You're listening to On the Block 93.7 The Ticket. I am Nate Brennan. Strick had to hop out. He's still traveling overseas right now. So we got the next best thing. We got Jay Foreman, former black shirt himself. We'll get into all that discussion here in a little bit. 402-464-5685. That's the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Starter Heyman text line. As always, we want to hear from you. You can also check us out on the Starter Heyman video stream. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And if you head over to YouTube, we're going for 1,200 subscribers. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Help us out with all of that. So we're getting ready for the game, and I never thought that I would say this, but I want to know a little bit more about Northwestern. So we brought in someone who knows Northwestern very well. We're going to bring in Bradley Locker. He's a contributor contributor for uh, Inside NU. So, Bradley, I will say I, I, I really do from the bottom of my heart that Northwestern loses here on Saturday, but we appreciate you, man. Thank you for joining us. Well, yeah, I, I think every Nebraska fan feels the same way, but thanks so much for having me. Uh, Nate, really appreciate being on the show and excited to talk Northwestern football and Nebraska football. I think this, the ambiance for Saturday is going to be wonderful, even though the game on the field might not be the same way, but still going to be a great scene. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, hopefully that's in favor of Nebraska. Uh, but just starting out as someone that obviously doesn't know Northwestern's team uh, as well as you do, and a lot of our fan base doesn't know Northwestern, kind of give us the breakdown. What, what are some of the weaknesses and what are some of the strengths? Sure thing. Well, I think you have to start with the fact that Northwestern was just absolutely abysmal last year, three and nine season. But if you really break it down, it was much worse than that. The Wildcats only had one conference win. It was a win over Rutgers, and Rutgers did not turn out to be uh, very good, even though the Scarlet Knights did make a bowl game. But really, this Northwestern was not very competitive in most of its games. And a lot of the roster really transfers over to this year. So keeping a lot of the same pieces from that three and nine season, and it really all starts under center with the quarterback position. Northwestern started with Hunter Johnson last year. The Clemson transfer, the former five-star recruit, and he looked good in his first outing. Then he struggled against Duke, and he was benched for Andrew Marty. Marty had injuries and was up and down, and then finally it got to Ryan Helinski, uh, the transfer from South Carolina, who very much was mediocre in his first year, not super athletic or mobile either. So uh, the issue the quarterback will proliferate this year. Johnson went back to Clemson, and Marty graduated, so – uh, Northwestern has not announced a starting quarterback. In fact, Pat Fitzgerald has no intention of doing so until we see the first series on Saturday. But um, we at Inside NU and, and those of them in the Northwestern community are expecting it to be um, Ryan Helinski, but it could be Brennan Sullivan, Pat Fitzgerald, 
has raved about the, the sophomore and the work he's put in this spring. So that's at quarterback. Northwestern did have a good running back last year, and Evan Hole had over 1,000 yards rushing behind a pretty subpar offensive line, and Hole will be back along with Cam Porter, a name that fans might recognize. He missed all of 2021 with a lower body injury, but he is back and ready to go, and it sounds like the Wildcats are fired up for him. Um, so those are some players to watch. As I mentioned, the offensive line features Peter Skaronsky, who's one of the best individual offensive linemen in the country, projected first-round draft pick. But, but besides him, there are some definite question marks. Northwestern loses its starting center. It gets back its right tackle, but that unit needs to be elevated. The receiver room loses the top man in Stephon Robinson Jr., but it has some playmakers in Malik Washington and Bryce Kurtz. And then the defense was probably the, the lowest element of the team last year. It did have Brandon Joseph, and obviously Joseph transferred to Notre Dame. Um, but the right. secondary – Figures to be one of the strengths of bringing back A.J. Hampton, Cam Porter, Coco Azuma, um, but the linebackers were not good last year, and there were a bunch of transfers this year as two of the starters have moved on and graduated from the program. The defensive line is led by Adetamoa Adebaware, who is one of the better defensive linemen in the conference, but it's going to be about who is stepping up beside Adebaware. So as you can, can infer from my, my overall breakdown of Northwestern, this is a team with some very serious question marks that's that seems intent on proving people wrong and sending a message this season, but ultimately time will tell if that's able to be the case. Uh, Bradley, I mean, that was a pretty, you know, uh, extensive uh, yeah. outlook on the team. Uh, not very positive, but I'll, <laughs> I'll say this, you, you know, obviously looking at Northwestern stats last year, averaging right under 17 points a game. Uh, you mentioned the two running backs they have coming back. You got to th- assume that the offensive line is going to be better. Um, and you covered just a little bit, but how much how much pressure is on Helensky in Washington, uh, and I'll say even a little bit of Hall because he had thirty about I think thirty four thirty five catches on those say like three to provide both intermediate uh, passing game and sometimes getting up uh, over the top for Northwestern to score more than seventeen points a game. Beginning with Holinsky, I think that's probably where the greatest deal of pressure would fall just because he's now in his second year in Evanston under offensive coordinator Mike Bajakin, and he's talked about how he never really felt super comfortable last year that Pat Patrillo suggested. He really wasn't even supposed to play a lot last year, but now he's kind of worked on his body, honed his confidence, switched his numbers, so it feels like he's getting back in the groove. But, again, once we see him on the gridiron, that will be the ultimate um, indicator of that. So Holinsky needs to establish himself and, and show that good accuracy, that good arm strength, which was definitely um, up and down last season. And I, I think there also is some pressure on Hole and Washington, too. Washington was more of a slot guy last year, but they might try to move him to that Z receiver role, put him on the outside. Uh, Northwestern doesn't have a ton of talent at receiver, so Washington's going to have to get open in the middle of the field. He's a very acrobatic and physical receiver, and even though he's only five foot ten, so I think he's going to have to be uh, the primary target for Helensky or whoever is under center. And then I do think the running back room is, is definitely the best unit on this team with Hull, with Porter, with Andrew Clare, with uh, Trey Tyus. So Northwestern might try to run the ball a good amount, um, but I think Hull can really, really transcend this passing game with his receiving ability. That's one way in which he stands out. So I think Helensky definitely faces the most pressure, but the skill position players are going to have to make sure the Northwestern can actually put the ball in the end zone. And flipping to the other side of the ball, I mean, I, I just assume that the the unit that's going to probably be somewhat, maybe not a hundred, you know, total, you know, three sixty, but legitimately probably better, just because of they have a very veteran unit come back as a defensive side of the ball. Speak to how important Bryce Gallagher is, because he's a pretty good linebacker, and I'm going to call him Double A, number ninety nine, last name is Edward Ed, 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 
uh, how important they are to the success of the defense, especially early in the season and, and against a, maybe a team like Nebraska, that those two have to provide both leadership and playmaking uh, ability early and often? There's no doubt about those two and, and how crucial they are. They were named team captains for a reason. Pat Fitzgerald has expressed nothing but full confidence and faith in those two players. And the Devil Warrior, um, not really a huge sack artist. He only has, I believe, seven and a half career sacks, but he's very disruptive on the inside of that defensive line, um, playing from that it's a 4-3 defensive end position. So Devil Warrior is going to need to be the catalyst for Northwestern, getting after the passer, making stops in the run game. And then, as I mentioned, the back end of the defense really struggled last year. And Gallagher was pretty good in his first taste of starting action, but he's the only leftover linebacker from this group that has any starting experience with Chris Bergen um, and Peter McIntyre moving on. And Northwestern did bring in Wendell Davis Jr. from Pitt, but this linebacking core is going to have to be, it's going to have to be seen really how it performs. And Gallagher has, has expressed trying to be more vocal, more of a leader. So I think we see him step up this year and definitely be more assertive on the field um, as, as his older brother Blake did when he was at Northwestern. So those two guys have to control the front seven of the defense, but they're definitely not the only ones responsible. I think uh, Fitzgerald will tell you that Cam Mitchell, A.J. Hampton, and the other members of the back end of the defense are going to be huge as well because there were lots of times last year when Northwestern would just get absolutely gassed through the air. Bradley Locker with Inside NU joining us now, giving us a better idea of what Nebraska is going to be facing up against here on Saturday. Uh, Bradley, one of the most interesting things to me, uh, the offensive line was definitely a struggle last year. Peter Skaronsky, all indications point that he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Northwestern also brings back, it looks like, four starting offensive linemen. What's just kind of the bread and butter here? Like, is Are we just going to roll out kind of similar to look of last year, or, or is there kind of faith that those guys are going to take a step forward? Definitely a great question, and I think there's an, a hope and an expectation among Fitzgerald and offensive line coach Kurt Anderson that the unit finally starts to gel. Um, as, as you mentioned, a lot of the starters are coming back, and the team knows just how good Skaronsky is along that left side. They don't have to worry about putting him on an island. Uh, and I think getting back Josh Preeb, the left guard, will be very significant. Preeb went down with an injury towards the middle stages of last year, and then it was kind of plug-and-play. So the left side of the offensive line definitely is encouraging. Uh, at center, the team's going to have to replace Sam Jarak, and it looks like Charlie Schmidt is going to be uh, moving from guard to center. And Schmidt definitely struggled a little bit when Jarak went out with injury as well, so that also is going to have to be seen how he performs in his first real uh, test as, as a starting center. And then on the right side, Northwestern does return Ethan Wiederker, but Wiederker is definitely not on the same tier as Skaronsky. Then again, few players are on that same level. But right. I think for Northwestern, it's just about having more of a balance along the offensive line, fewer miscommunication uh, instances, just more consistent play, uh, and just giving Halinski a chance to hang in the pocket because, as I mentioned, he's not super dynamic when he gets outside of the pocket. So if Northwestern is going to be good, it's probably going to have to start up front with the trenches, especially creating lanes for Hull, for um, Cam Porter, for the different running backs, and allowing whoever is under center to have the time to pass. But it, it is still the jury's still out on whether this offensive line will actually improve. Uh, Bradley, you, you know, the, the offensive line, you just got to assume just because of the past of Coach uh, Fitzgerald and how they've able to bounce back after, you know, obviously not a good season, that the offensive line, obviously with the first-round pick, which is obviously great because they've had one a couple years ago at Northwestern, that they'll be better. And you, you feel pretty good about the running back room. Now, we talked a little bit about Malik Washington, um, but as you know and I know, the quarterback's generally best friend is obviously a running game 
and a tight end or a number two receiver, which would be a possession receiver. Out of the tight end and the other, you know, receivers, whether it's Kurtz or Nero the third or Gill or Hooper, um, who do you expect to step up to be, um, you know, maybe that, you know, Robin to the Batman or that legit kind of safety net for Herlinski so they can keep the chains moving? The first name I would definitely throw out is Bryce Kurtz. Kurtz also suffered a season-ending injury towards the middle of last year. He was reunited with Johnson, his high school teammate in Indiana. They had a pretty good chemistry going. He was a solid number two in that offense, so I think he would keep that role, continue to work on the outside. And Jacob Gill was probably the number three receiver last year, and um, Pat Fitzgerald doesn't really want to play a ton of first years, but but Gill got a good number of targets and snaps, so I think he's going to continue to work his way up in this roster. Fitzgerald has also talked about guys like Jensen Hooper-Price, Wayne Dennis, um, finally starting to see their, their time in the receiving room increase after playing more on special teams. So those are definitely some names to monitor. And then in terms of the tight end room, um, the tight ends were not fantastic last year in Charlie Mangieri. Uh, Trey Pugh is, I believe, still with the program. Or I should say he actually graduated. So it's Mangieri and Marshall Lang. They're definitely good presences in the red zone. I think Lang had some of the most touchdown receptions on the team, but they also have to be better at blocking, just doing the little things on every single play. So the tight end room is definitely not a strength per se, but there is promise there that there's young tight end Chris Petrucci the first year. There's also the highly touted receiver Reggie Florima. Um, it also remains to be seen if Florima will play a lot in this first year because Northwestern is going to be looking for people to step up, but Florima suffered an injury in camp and hasn't been practicing much. So um, it, it's still very much up in the air as to which receivers and playmakers are going to step up, but I think there's ample opportunity for guys to do so if they want to seize that. Uh, one of the big things of the game last year with with uh, Nebraska Northwestern was the defense giving up explosive plays, which I think set forth the rest of the season for Northwestern, where they seemed to not to be able to fix their inability to stop explosive plays, especially through the air, right? But when you look mm -hmm. at their projected depth start, depth chart, you have one senior and, and three juniors, and then behind them three juniors. What, do you, what have you heard that Northwestern may have done as far as maybe adjusted maybe their style of defense, the way they've coached it, maybe a little bit of a personnel or a combination of, you know, two or three things that I mentioned prior? Um, what, do you, what have you heard they've done to remedy that? I know everything is, could be, like, solved by the pass rush, but the times that they don't get there, when you have a lot of guys running wide open uh, for essentially a whole season, uh, what have you heard that Northwestern on a defensive side of the ball, especially on the back end, the back you know, four or five guys, what have they done to remedy that uh, so they don't get down so quickly and uh, and they can keep the game close, uh, especially early on? Mm -hmm. Well, this will be defensive coordinator Jim O'Neill's second year with the Wildcats, and the first year was definitely a lot, um, a lot more turbulent than he expected to have it be. He was a former NFL defensive coordinator. And a lot of fans really wanted him fired after the first year oh. because they were not encouraged, but Fitzgerald expressed his faith in O'Neill, and he's at least saying – through this season, and it sounds like schematically Northwestern is going to keep a lot of it, well, a lot of what it did last year, and it, it stems from the Mike Hankowitz defense, one of the better defensive coordinators in the game that was really spearheaded that 2020 defense that was one of the best in the country. So I don't think coverage-wise much is going to change, or personnel-wise probably not still going to be much of the same Northwestern you're used to, but I think Fitzgerald is counting on that veteran experience that you noted of Cam Mitchell, who – uh, Fitzgerald has come out and said that he thinks Mitchell could be a very high draft pick himself, even as an underclassman and A.J. Hampton. And I think the big thing is just being more disciplined. We've seen Hampton in particular just bite on some double moves, trying to avoid penalties and just have more sound coverage down the field. 
Um, and Northwestern also added two transfers per se. One was a player, one was a coach. Not really a transfer, but it's still still a notable addition. So the transfer was Jeremiah Lewis, the defensive back from Duke. Uh, he might play nickel corner. He might play um, safety. He might line up outside. It sounds like the team is encouraged by his versatility. And then the other big add was Ryan Smith, who's going to coach the cornerbacks. He came over from Virginia Tech, and he was billed as an illustrious recruiter, and he's already lived up to that with Northwestern's fantastic 2023 class. But now the, the responsibilities will be divided between uh, the safeties and the corners as opposed to just having one coach handle all the defensive back room. So I think Northwestern is, is at least hoping to see more discipline um, and definitely more refined skill out of the corners with Smith now leading them um, so they can separate that from the safeties. Now, Bradley, if you're getting anyone from Virginia Tech, I promise you that's an upgrade. I, I can certainly guarantee <laughs> that. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Northwestern's defense last year, 29 points per game. That was 89th in the country. Uh, total yards was 429. That ranked 101st in the country, just when we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Bradley, I hate to ask this question because it's going to make Northwest, or excuse me, it's going to make Nebraska fans a little bit upset. But if we're here on Saturday and Northwestern comes out with a win, what's going to have to go right? What are they going to have to do in order to defeat Nebraska on Saturday? The first thing I would mention to a Northwestern victory is going to have to be capitalizing on some Nebraska mistakes. I think it's been well documented how much turnover this, pro this Nebraska program has gone through. Um, lots of new starters, a new offensive coordinator, um, some, some big voids in the draft that have to be filled. So I think it's going to be more of Nebraska looking pretty discombobulated and not getting any rhythm on offense or defense right away. Um, and maybe Casey Thompson throwing an interception or two, a fumble here and there. But Northwestern is going to have to have some breaks go its way. And then the other big thing that Michael Jake, the offensive coordinator, has talked about is really just getting off to a good start offensively, getting the ball in the red zone, converting field goals. Northwestern's field goal unit was one of the worst in the country last year, but now the new kicker in Jack Olson um, coming over from Michigan State after having Charlie Kubander for the last few years. So I think those are two of the bigger keys. And really just, just not making mistakes, not having penalties, um, winning blocks up front versus a Nebraska offensive line. That's one thing that the Wildcats really struggled with last year was um, getting to the ball and actually making tackles in the open field, better pursuit angles. There's really all the fundamentals of defense. You're going to have to look much more smooth. But I think those are my, my big takeaways. Maybe an explosive play here or there from Malik Washington or Evan Hole. But I think Northwestern has to get off to a good start in the first quarter because we saw what happened last year especially in that season opener on the first play of scrimmage, Kenneth Walker, now obviously Seattle Seahawks, just took the ball 75 yards right to the house, and Northwestern fans kind of took a collective deep breath thinking, oh, we could be in for a very, very unfortunate season. Um, so I think Northwestern, if Northwestern can keep the game at least close into the first half, um, Pat Fitzgerald's staff will consider that a win because he has talked about um, that the first quarter is going to be pretty challenging for NU, that Nebraska just has so many changes, so many parts that are trying to fit into this puzzle that Northwestern is going to count on adjusting to the second half. So if Nebraska doesn't pull away early, that's when I think you could see Northwestern start to come into the fray and maybe pull this one out in pretty classic Northwestern fashion, but it could get out of hand early if Nebraska starts firing, especially on offense. Bradley Locker inside NU joining us. The last question I have for you, and I know that you're on a Lincoln radio station, but I want to know your honest, true prediction. What's the final score here on Saturday? Well, my honest prediction is, would you like a score as well? Because I, I have thought about that. Score as well. as well. I want to know the score, too. 
Perfect. Well, I have Nebraska winning 35-14 to 14 in pretty decisive fashion. I think it's two factors. Number one, that Nebraska was a much better team than the record indicated last year. And I really liked the ads with, with Casey Thompson, um, with Mark Whipple, who obviously led that pit offense last year, and Kenny Pickett and that huge ascendance he made. Um, and I think Nebraska is going to be a team that definitely is under the radar this year, probably in, in bowl contention. I think there are some nice defensive pieces there in Garrett Nelson, uh, Luke Raymer, Quentin Newsom. And I, I think Scott Frost knows how much the season means to him and his ability to stay with his team in Lincoln. And um, also on the converse side, I just don't know if Northwestern really has an identity yet. The team has continued to emphasize that this is a business trip that, um, that the team really wants to set the tone for the season and establish itself as going to be good. But the team just has a, a low ceiling because, again, there are so many question marks and the talent is really not much better than it was last year. Maybe a more veteran group, but lots of transfers on the defensive line, the linebacker room, um, and, and some guys that are going to have to step up and make plays for this Wildcat team. So I just think Nebraska is in a better spot right now and probably um, is a more dynamic team that will – end up having a better season. So I think Nebraska wins decently handily. But again, as I said, if the Huskers um, don't score early, then you could see a low, a lower scoring affair where Northwestern pulls it out. But I, I feel um, decently confident in Nebraska winning this one. Bradley, I know for a fact that Husker fans would take that score prediction. We appreciate my man. If you ever find yourself in Lincoln, first drinks on me. How does that sound? Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. All right, buddy. You have a good one. That was Bradley Locker. Inside NU. Uh, pretty interesting there because he, as a Northwestern fan, beat writer, whatever you want to interpret it he as. He said they were garbage. He, he, he said he doesn't have too much faith in Northwestern. So take that as you will. But that's a little bit of a, of a lowdown on, on Northwestern because, like I said, I, I didn't know too much about Northwestern, so that'll definitely prepare you guys for the game. Jay Foreman, he is here in studio, the Husker Hall of Famer, the black shirt. We're going to get his thoughts because black shirts, they're officially out. We're not at 11. What does that mean? Jay will have his answers next. You're listening to On the Block, 93.7 The Ticket.